Good morning, Alfred DaCosta, your host, living for him on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being fantastic. How are you doing today? We here at Living For Him are doing exactly that. We're living for Christ on a daily basis and would like to invite you to do the very same. Today's show is going to be a continuation of where we began yesterday with what a promise is. And the concept comes from Galatians 4, where Paul is talking to the people and how they are slipping into the old way of living their lives, the old way of thinking, trying to rebuild something that was taken down. A lot of it had to do with that whole circumcision thing, if you've ever heard of that. And so, today we're going to go a little deeper. We're going to go into the word promise, which um, and covenant, actually, which I, I kind of defined as similar things. I did a little research of my own, and you'll be surprised to know what I found. In this first part, I'd like to define clearly what a covenant is. In um, We talked about a promise yesterday. A covenant is usually a biblical term, and I know that the Ten Commandments are definitely known as a covenant I also know that when we talk about Old Covenant and New Covenant, it seems that the Ten Commandments get thrown around in there. So I'm hoping to afford myself and yourselves a little more clarity on that. But as far as the definition goes, before we delve into this fascinating subject, we need to define what a covenant really is. And there are many types and forms, but basically, a covenant is an agreement between two parties based upon mutual promises. All through the centuries, God has dealt with his people on the basis of covenants. He is a reasonable God, and he invites us, saying, Come now, let us reason together. That's one great way to... And that's actually a verse in the Bible in Isaiah 1 verse 18. Come now, let us reason together. So I've heard things like drink more water. I've heard of matcha, whatever that is. I've heard of um, getting outside and going for a run, skydiving. All of these things are good methods for energy as an alternative to coffee. But I'd like to know what you think, or if there's anything that you know of that would uh, facilitate a uh, substitution of coffee, because I don't have any creamer, and I'm not like you who drinks it black. Let's talk about different kinds of covenants in the Bible. It's interesting because in this life insurance thing I'm trying to study, there's like these different kinds of contracts. Um, One of them, I believe, if I can remember, is um, a a contract of adhesion, which is exactly what like a life insurance policy is, where where one one party simply states what their terms and conditions are, and you, being the guy or the gal purchasing the insurance policy, um, would be the one that has to adhere to it. That's why it's called adhesion. 
Now you're official. You're welcome. Sometimes God established pacts with individuals like, like Moses and people like Abraham and, and David and sometimes with the nation of Israel or Israel. The most important covenant of all was set up long before this world came into existence. Can you imagine or guess what that might be? It was a covenant between the Father and the Son and had to do with the eventuality of sin. Jesus offered himself there in vast eternity of the past as the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. You can check that out in Revelation, the book of Revelation. To be more specific, let me see here. Uh, Revelation 13, verse 8. He agreed to become the atoning sacrifice to redeem man should Adam and Eve choose to sin. Can you believe that? That's nuts. God was looking out for us before we knew how to look. And he had a plan just in case. And that's good news. So anyways, like I was saying, my coffee's done. But the uh, to kind of finish this thought on this segment, the terms of that eternal covenant have never been changed or superseded. Although many other covenants have been established through the years. The simple provision of salvation through faith has remained in effect through all ages, for all mankind, you included. Well, that was good news. I just got a phone call from the guy I'm supposed to be um, working with in this life insurance uh, job I'm trying to get into under the condition that, notice condition, just like what we're talking about this morning, um, which seems to be a contract of adhesion, but um, under the condition that I pass the test. And if you didn't hear already, I did not pass. I, I missed by 3%, possibly uh, a little overconfident because I knew life insurance so well, but the health side I was not so good at. And uh, I mean, I'm looking here at the paper and I'm seeing things like, you know, you know, I got the life insurance down packed, but you know, like on the health side, I missed things like medical plans, seniors and special needs insurance. I got like a 50 on that part. So I'm going over all the 50 percentiles and I'm going through those and redoing them. Anyways, I called or actually, yeah, I texted him because I'd rather text than call, which I don't know why I'm like that. That'll be another segment. Phone versus texting and why the majority um, don't really like phone calls so much. Anyways, back to what I'm saying. So with that, um, you know, the test is supposed to be on this Friday, but I called into the test center and they are booked. And so I can't. And so I was about to give up, but not really. And because he wanted me to have the test done by Monday, because Monday is when training starts. 
and hopefully by then I would have passed the test, but I found out from the phone call that training actually starts on Tuesday, so if I pass the test on Monday, everything will be great. So now let's take a gander at this old covenant and new covenant and how the the advantages of the new covenant over the old covenant. And I'm going to read it from Hebrews, Hebrews 8, 6 through 13. There are different versions I like to read from for clarity. Sometimes I'll put different ones. I think this one is NIV, but this is what it says. But how hath he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant. So it sounds like he's the manager, which was established upon better promises. Ha ha, there is that promises word. So a covenant established upon better promises. Remember, we were talking about the difference between those two. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. For finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. So we've got a new covenant coming your way. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt. Because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. Okay, now watch this. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. Here he comes, here he comes. Are you ready? Are you ready? I will put my laws. Where? Where is he going to put it? Ah, oh, you answered that one. I will put my laws into their, where? Their mind. And I will write them where? Where is he going to write them? In their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. Amen. Man, God is good. He's going to be merciful to your unrighteousness, and mine, and your neighbors, and everybody here. And so... And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. In that he saith a new covenant, he hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old, ready to vanish away. Man, that's a great verse. I think I'm going to, I don't know, tattoo that on my arm. That's a lot of words. Just joking. Speaking of tattoos, I remember that being a huge controversy in my church and um, growing up and everything. And uh, one of my best friends in the whole wide world, he has like, I don't know if he did it out of defiance, but I mean, that guy is covered in ink. And um, it seems like society is doing a better job at accepting people who are covered in tattoos. But... I don't really care, and I don't even have one, but if I did get one, it would probably be a verse, but then I'd be like, how do I read that? It's like kind of hard. I'd have to look in the mirror with my shirt off. So anyways, um, 
that's my thoughts on tattoos. Especially if you get one that's like your, I don't know, your your girlfriend's name and then you guys like break up. That's the worst ever. I know some people will put their children because they're like, hey, I'm not going to divorce my children. There's no way. But anyhow, I guess a reminder. So... And it sounds painful. You know, there's those sensitive places on your body, you know, like there's that place um, like on your face. That's like super like between your lip and your your chin, like kind of super sensitive areas or like, I don't know, your armpit. I don't know, really bottom of your feet. You know, I do henna. Henna is kind of cool because it washes off because the reason why I would have never get a tattoo is not necessarily because of all the controversy, but really because I probably want to change it all the time. You know, like, like one day I'd want it to be like a, a lion and then I'd want like a zebra and then I'd want to put like a Bible verse and then, and then I'd run out of, you know, like real estate because, you know, your body, you only have so much you can cover. And then you start having to tattoo your face and then, they always talk about, you know, your employer. And so if you're going to get a tattoo, go and get a really good job that you know you'll be with for several years and then get one on your face. Maybe not. I don't even know why we're talking about this. So before my little uh, tattoo rant for no apparent reason, we were reading from Hebrews 8, verse 6 through 13. So you may want to read that again since we got off topic but you know this description in Hebrews it does not leave any room for doubt concerning the fate of the old covenant it was set aside for sure it was set aside in favor of a new one which had better promises naturally so we are interested to know all about that new covenant which will place God's law in the heart and the mind. But we also need to understand the nature of the covenant which disappeared, went bye-bye, so to speak. I'm going to put a little disclaimer here because I don't want us to lose the point here. I'm really trying to get to a point with talking about Hagar and Sarah and how Paul uses um, these two as examples of old and new. But a lot of people, including myself, have been taught that it was the Ten Commandments law. That was the Old Covenant. And and before you hop online and call me on this station, I'd like to clarify something. Because... I remember boasting of of being delivered from the law and claiming to walk in a glorious freedom from the Old Testament covenant of works. Which is why I think a lot of people feel that way, because whenever you think of Ten Commandments, you associate it, or I associated it, with works. So if I'm going to keep the Ten Commandments, now I need to keep it like a a, a, a checklist. And so we know that when we're entering into checklist mode, that we're entering into legalism and works. And so we get afraid and we run away from the 
the Ten Commandments, when rather, if you do keep the Ten Commandments, why? Why do you keep the Ten Commandments? Well, let me suggest this thought. Do you keep the Ten Commandments to save you? Or do you keep the Ten Commandments because you have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and the one who redeemed you is one to whom you love and it's a relationship and you're happy to do it. That's the difference between bondage and freedom is that you do it because, oh, if I don't keep the Ten Commandments, he's going to get me. He's going he's gonna to get me. That was kind of blarish, wasn't it? But that's how we do it. I mean, we do that. But rather, on the other hand, isn't it possible to keep the commandments because you are saved, because you're happy, and you know it, and you're free, and you know that his, his law of love is here for you and me? So we're going to dig a little bit deeper here because um, it's not really a biblical position. It's just something that was adopted. It, it is just as important to understand what the Old Covenant was not as to know what it was. Right now, let us look at three absolute proofs that the covenant which disappeared was not the Ten Commandments. There's a reason why I'm, I'm bringing up this whole covenant being associated with Ten Commandments, because it ties right into this. So, then we'll determine by comparing Scripture with Scripture just what the Old Covenant was. So, stay tuned. Man, I found my study met flow, man. I think um, studying a little bit, then listening to Anchor. Study some more, listen to Anchor. Um, learned a new word today, au pair. Never heard of that. Someone that can help you, I think. Someone that comes into your house and, like, does your laundry or something. Anyways, that's the Alfred abridged version but i think now i'm gonna hit the books again i'm studying private insurance plans for seniors medicare supplement policies they've got a b c d f g k l m n the medical part a b c d f i don't know why the letters of the alphabet but we're missing some letters anyways gonna do that and then i think i'm gonna listen to some uh 318. Hey, as regards your testing and your job training and stuff, I think it's really awesome that you're able to look at the test and see exactly where you need to study in order to bump up your, your pass grade. So, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm happy that you're able to laser focus that study in. So, I just, I'll be praying for you, brother. I will be praying for you. I know it's like a stressful thing. Um, but I will be praying peace over you and a clear mind and, um, yeah, just give it your best, give it your all. I know you're going to, going to do that anyway, but <laughs> consider this your encouragement, I guess. Keep on trucking. You can do this. The whole concept of promise versus covenant and then old covenant versus new is such such an interesting topic and it's actually one that um, I've never felt totally settled about personally in my walk not in like a 
doubting God kind of way, but just in like a, I fully recognize that I do not have an understanding of this yet kind of way. <laughs> um, I grew up in a church that was very like, it's new covenant time, old covenant no longer applies, therefore we spent, you know, Old Testament was more for stories and New Testament was where we got all our direction from. Um, I don't really, I don't agree with that approach anymore. I think it's too simplified. So now I'm in a church that is more cohesive. Oh, hang on a second. Right, so my church now has a more cohesive approach to the whole concept of Old and New Testament, Old and New Covenant, understanding that there was purpose in the Old Covenant, that it wasn't that um, it was abolished for being bad. <laughs> um, so anyway, that puts me in a place where I'm very curious about Old Testament and I'm very curious about Ten Commandments and Levitical law and things like that and it, there's something in me that wonders how much of this are we supposed to be following and we just haven't because we're doing the whole stick our fingers in our ears la 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 I can't hear you you know because it looks so much harder to our Western civilization you know um, lives here in the States it looks so much harder to deny ourselves so much more than we already I have trouble doing in the first place so that's sort of I guess where I where I am at the moment I'm just curious um, actually in one of the years that we homeschooled I picked up a book about the Jewish calendar and actually went through and we tried to have a couple different celebrations um, just surrounding their celebratory times because there's so much wisdom in and having that cycle of celebration to mark the year, you know, that's why we all look forward to the same holidays every year, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and people's birthdays and things like that. Um, there's a reason that we mark the year through celebration. So I, you know, there's wisdom in some things that have been done in the past, and I don't want to reject that just because I'm afraid of getting stuck in a works mindset. You know what I mean? I don't think there's much danger of it considering how lazy we tend to be as Christians anyway. But see, I say that and then I remember where I am. I'm in an area full of Amish communities and Mennonite communities and Amish in particular, but all Mennonite are very works driven, very check off all your boxes in order to be righteous, very like, if you don't do it right, God will still reject you. It doesn't matter um, what you say you believe. So, you know, uh, there is a danger there. There's always dangers of swinging to extremes. Oh my goodness, my kids are starting to get so loud. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I don't know. I think that there is more of a balance between the two concepts than your average American church recognizes, I guess, is where I am. And so now I am just in a place of curiosity and of questioning and um, not really sure where that's going to lead me, but we'll find out. Thanks for the insight there, Victoria. I have to say, one, one of the key things you said at the beginning there, you said, I fully recognize. And that right there, I believe, is the spirit that not only myself and the other seven point something billion people in this universe should probably take. And the reason why I say that is that it's a humble approach because 
it it suggests that there is something that I possibly don't know. Um, because a lot of the times, like in, like even in, in, in my church, you know, um, you know, you, you approach people with this set of knowledge. And I think I was listening to you talk on, um, feet for thought. And I love what you said. I think I'm going to have to, to echo that. But you were you were talking about the log jam, you know, <laughs> salvation. I'm just gonna have to play that part again. I hope that you archived that. But, um, but you know, it's this this idea that we have one person one person has the idea, and everyone else, you know, you're proselytizing. You're giving them your your data set, and you're just getting, and then you feel good. The notch on the belt thing, man, that was fantastic. Anyways. But another word I heard you say was cohesive, your church. And that's one thing I think is a huge blessing, that your church is cohesive. I think you're a non-denominational. The beauty, of I think, of being a part of your church, even above, um, well, I, I'm not going to say above anything or anyone. I just think it being cohesive in that you can grow in that church. So there's not this this set of 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 things that you adhere to and you 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 obey those by by faith the the things that that man has said no you you study the Bible and you seek God and you seek the Holy Spirit and God organically leads you and then your your eyes are open to something and rather than looking back and saying oh I'm a Baptist I can't believe that. Or like you said, I think you said, sticking your fingers in your ear and going, la, 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 I can't hear you, la, 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 la. That was fantastic because that's what we do. Even myself, you know, I have this this data set, I this thing that I know and understand, and that's the way it is. But, you know, we are allowed to think as Christians. We are allowed to use the goo between my ears. And so, you know, it's it's crazy. And, man, you're going to find out, like you were saying about the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's going to be so exciting. I can't wait to finish this study on this um, episode because the connections are so uncanny, so amazing. Um, and I know you know about the, the prophecy of, of Jesus coming, but man, the Old Testament connects to the New in such a way that it just it leaves you hungry and thirsty for more. So I'm, gonna, um, I'm excited to finish this, this study now. Um, but... Uh, yeah, the other thing I was going to say was that, um, man, you know, you were saying how much should we uh, deny ourselves, and you said, you know, we're already lazy as it is as Christians, which is so true. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I always think of the, the deny yourself, dying to self. Um, I used to think it was me dying to self, but honestly, he just wants us to submit. And I think you already know this, but it's one thing for me to to have an a an assent to that knowledge, but rather than actually it actualizing, it's making that transfer from brain to fingertips. That's the, the hard part. Cause I'm just recently figuring that out that it's not, you know, it's not that, that tub of Rocky road ice cream and I'm gritting and bearing it to, to try to stop doing that and stop doing that. Cause then it does go back into that thing you were saying about um, getting back into that far left or far right, that, that Amish right and that Mennonite left, or I don't know how that really goes, but um, but that works list, you know? And I think the balance is already happening, Victoria, inside of you. 
Christ living in your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit, it is happening right now. It's happening. You can hear it in your station. You can hear it even in the words you just spoke. It's just saying, yes, Lord, I am available. I am, I fully recognize. And man, I'm excited for you more than anything, just because in your church, in your life, in your personal life, you are a true Christian that is growing, and I want to grow too. So let's continue on, look at another verse, looking at the new covenant in light of the old covenant and why it had stronger promises than the old covenant. First of all, we notice that the old covenant had some poor promises in it. The new covenant, we are told in verse 6, was established upon better promises. So, tell me, has anyone ever been able to point out any poor promises in the Ten Commandments? Never. On the contrary, Paul declares that they were very good. Um, You'll notice in where it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. That's found in Ephesians 6, 1 verse 3. That obey your parents reminds me of our prayer minute. Why don't we take some time and pray together? Today's prayer minute is brought to you by your middle sibling, where they say, well, Google says that if you're a middle child, you are usually trying to find your own um, in the light of your eldest sibling and your youngest. Correct me if Google is wrong on this. If you are a middle child. Let's pray for our middle siblings today. sounds of eggs frying, the sounds of tomato chopping, yeah, I'm making the wifey some lunch, and there's this bread that we've got that you put in the freezer, I don't know if it's sprouted bread, but it's gluten free, and I don't know why gluten is so bad these days, didn't we grow up just like inhaling gluten, is that possibly the problem? Who knows? Hope your lunch is going well. Um, Please share below what you are having for lunch. In continuation, the second thing wrong with the Old Covenant was 
that it was faulty. What? Faulty? The Bible says, For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. Hebrews 8, verse 7. Let me ask you a question. How, rather, let me, okay, how about we put it this way? Has any man ever been able to find a fault or flaw in the handwriting of God? The psalmist declared, the law of the Lord is, yes, you guessed it, perfect, converting the soul, Psalms 19, verse 7. Paul wrote, wherefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good, Romans 7, verse 12. So, does that sound like something weak or imperfect? The answer is no to that. No, the law could be perfect and faulty at the same time. There's no way. It becomes more and more apparent that the Old Covenant could not have been the Ten Commandments. And now that we've established that, if you still feel some um, twinges of uncomfortableness, please um, call in or leave a message below. So, finally, though we read the most dramatic thing about the Old Covenant, it was to be abolished in that he saith, a new covenant he hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. That's Hebrews 8 verse 13. Now, we can ask a serious question that should settle every doubt on this matter. Did the great moral law of the Ten Commandments vanish away? Anyone who has read the New Testament must answer, absolutely not. Paul affirms the exact opposite about the law. He asked, do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. Romans 3, verse 31. And it's crazy. I was listening to, uh, getting excited again. Calm down, Alfred. Uh, to 3... One eight. Is it three one eight? No, I messed up the name of your station, man. I think it's three one eight. Yeah, um, and he was talking about something very similar. Um, the balance. You've got. I think I'm going to echo this that um, segment later. But so the question is back to the uh, lecture at hand. Here, does the Bible contradict itself? Can something vanish away and be established at the same time? That's where. I mean, it makes your eyes cross and your head spin at the same time. It's like rubbing your tummy and patting your head, hopping on one foot in a circle sometimes, isn't it? Did the same writer say opposite things about the same law? Just to be certain that Paul was not saying the Old Covenant was the law, let us insert the words Old Covenant instead of the word law into Romans 3 verse 31. Do we make void the Old Covenant through faith? God forbid, yea, we establish the Old Covenant. No, that doesn't sound right at all, does it? Let me do that again. Do we, and this is Romans 3.31, do we then make void the Old Covenant through faith? God forbid, yea, we establish the Old Covenant. Nope, didn't sound good the second time either. We know that the Old Covenant had vanished away and could never be spoken of in this way. Very clearly then, we can see the covenant in which uh, came to an end could not have been the Ten Commandments. So, 
the big pressing question as I prepare to take my wife this egg and turkey sandwich with fruit and a little dainty, um, what do you call that, um, creme brulee little cake pie to her workplace. The question is, what was the Old Covenant? Stay tuned. No, I just think about it. Have you seen those one infomercial things? Yeah. They, they, they're right off, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. When that armature breaks or, or becomes faulty, then it's just like... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because the door didn't close all the way. You know, it was it was messed up when we bought it. Yeah. And uh, because the door, you know, never closed all the way, that didn't catch it. Yeah, knock it right out. What's this little guy's name? Peach. Peach is a great guy. Oh, look at Peach. Can you say hi to Peach? Hi, Peach. You should see if, if she tastes like a peach. <laughs> you want to see? We named her after uh, Princess Peach. Oh, <laughs> he loves Mario. <laughs> Did you hear that? Yes. You know how Princess Peach on Mario? Uh-huh. She has the same name. Peach. Peach. Did you know that's the princess name on Mario? Uh huh. Her name is Princess Peach. Princess Peach? <laughs> and her name is Peach. Peach? That's kind of cool, isn't it? Uh huh. Well, she was kind of peachy colored, so. Yeah. You know, that's great. I thought Peach was appropriate. Yeah. Getting ready to go take uh, the wife who started a job um, recently. And uh, she started at Bishop's, and so I'm going to. Mm -hmm. I'm on kid duty till school starts. On uh, Thursday Riding next week, and so I'll be, uh, I'll be doing that. Oh, oh, flies everywhere. Hello, how are y'all doing? So you guys have good literature in your hands. I see Bibles. I ah, my esposa habla. She's the the Salvador. Okay. ¿Cuánto? ¿Cuánto minutos? Nosotros tenemos un sitio web, es jw.org, ahí pueden encontrar más información, videos para niños, para adultos, la información para la familia, para los jóvenes, para los y cualquier tipo de información que usted busque, puede encontrar ahí. Si gusta, acompáñanos, va a ser bienvenido, es gratuito, y va a ser bienvenido. Mi nombre es Mariana, ¿con quién tuvimos el gusto? Yes, what's great here? Working for Jesus. Working for God. Praise God. Good to meet you. Mucho gusto. Que tenga bendición. Y usted también. Well, that was kind of weird. I uh, was standing outside talking to the neighbor who had a dog. Who We're not supposed to have dogs here, but that's okay. But the dog was named Peach, like Princess Peach, from off of Mario. And Mario likes... Um, well, Moses likes Mario, and Mario probably likes Moses as well. But we were talking about, you know, those those screen doors that, you know, they they have magnets and they just kind of swing shut. And she was going to put one up, and I was thinking about getting one because our uh, apartment complex doesn't have that. And all of a sudden, these ladies approach. Well, they they weren't going to my house; they're going to the neighbors. And I, you know, me being, um, I, I guess I don't know. I just can't resist. I'm like. Hey! And 
and they are Jehovah's Witnesses. And and so they decide to give me the presentation in Spanish, and you even get to hear me whip out my Spanish. Ha! Hiya! And um, but I did pretty good, and uh, understood what they were saying. They showed me a one-minute video, and I think I might become a Jehovah's Witness. Maybe not, but. You know, um, I think it's important, even if you um, don't concede with a certain group or sect, it's still important to show the love of Jesus, to just show love. That's a language that goes beyond Spanish, denomination, fill in the blank. And so um, I really blew it at the end, though, because I was, you know, I, I aspire to youth. And so this lady had uh, a girl with her and I was like, hey, look at you working for Jesus. And I think they don't believe in Jesus, I think. They believe in Jehovah, which is just like some weird anomaly or something. Anyways, let's get back to our study. I'm in the car. Moses, you ready, buddy, to go back inside? Okay, let's do this. So what was the Old Covenant? Having found what the Old Covenant was not, we are now ready to identify it specifically from the Word of God. To do so... We must go back in the Bible to the book of Exodus. Many people have failed to see that there was more than one covenant involved at Mount Sinai. God called Moses up into the mountain before he gave the law and proposed a covenant between him and his people. Reading from Exodus 19, 3 through 6, says, And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, If ye will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the Israel of Israel, well, the children of Israel. And that's actually Exodus 19, 3 through 6, and I skipped around on that a little bit, but that's the gist so next segment, we're going to dig a little deeper and talk about Moses in Exodus 19, verse 7. So stay tuned. Dude, I'm like the TikTok tip guy. With what I'm about to tell you, you might as well just call me that guy. Because I just found out something about Anchor that I didn't know before. No, not that. I already knew about that one the uh, video thing, but I'm talking about something else. Have you ever been recording and you notice it's kind of weird and like choppy or something weird like that? I found out what it is. You can do multiple recordings in one segment. Yes. Yeah, I didn't know that because I ended up testing it just now, holding it up to my ear saying, testing one, two, three, pulled it away. It stopped recording. Pull it back up to my ear, two, three, four, testing one, two, three, four. And I did that four, five, six, seven, eight. And then I listened to it and it did it all at the same time. And then you know how it says you can delete the previous segment. I deleted it and it only deletes that little small segment you just recorded and you still have testing one, two, three and testing four, five, six. 
and deleting six, seven, eight, whatever. So that's pretty amazing. I don't know what practical use you could use. I was so excited about it. I was thinking about calling the Tech Talk Tip guy, but I'm sure he'll probably be like, well, Alfred, I know everything and I already knew that. And so that was a little disappointing, so I won't bother. So anyways, kind of neat. So let's back up. Let's rewind and talk a little bit about Moses and this covenant that he takes from the people when they say all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And he delivers it back to God. And just as soon as the answer went back to God, just as soon as the answer went back to God, the basis for the old covenant was set up. But before it could go into formal operation, there had to be a sealing, a.k.a. ratifying of that pact. You've heard of things like this, you know, where you make a signature. Check out this signature. This ritualistic service involved the sprinkling of the blood of an ox on the people and is described in Exodus 24 verse 4 through 8. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord and rose up early in the morning and builded an altar under the hill and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of children of Israel, which sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar and he took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people and this is what he said all the lord hath said we will do and be obedient and moses took the blood sprinkled it on the people and said behold the blood of the covenant which the lord hath made with you concerning all these words you like how i did that again we are reminded that this covenant was not the law itself but was made concerning all these words the ten commandments were the basis for the agreement the people promised to keep the law and God promised to bless them in return. The crucial weakness in the whole argument revolved around the way Israel promised. Check this out. I think I'm going to make myself some ramen. You know, when I was younger, I could eat like four packets in one sitting. I know a lot of college students will experiment. I did this once in the dorm, or heard someone do it actually. Tabasco sauce and tuna. Not bad. One time, I, um... I got this, uh, well, one of those heating pads because I couldn't have ramen and I didn't have a stove. I got a heating pad and I put water in a bowl and tried to cook it that way. It did not work. Disgusting. I've heard of people eating it dry. They'll crush it up and open it and pour the seasoning on it. Eating it sounds kind of good, kind of weird. Probably wouldn't try that. Ramen has kind of been on the decline for me. I prefer pho if you've ever had it. Please emojify me down below. It's delicious, and um, but ramen is a good quick way to get food, and I don't. I usually crush them up and pour them into the water, and put something in it like a vegetable, or um, some kind of a processed, encased meat. So we've got Moses, and he's just simply delivering a message. 
He's talking to the people, if you remember, where he um, is before them, and the people are saying, All the Lord has said, we will do and be obedient. And see, the people promised to keep the law, and God promised to bless them in return. The crucial weakness in the whole arrangement revolved around the way Israel promised. There was no suggestion that they could not fully conform to every requirement of God. Neither was there any application for divine assistance. We can do it, they insisted. Here's a perfect example of leaning on the flesh and trusting human strength. How often, listener, friend, anchor, buddy, how often do we do this? The perfect example of leaning on the flesh and trusting human strength. The words are filled with what we call self-confidence. We see it on our billboards. We see it in our schools. You can do it. Just do it. It's all in you. Believe in yourself. Reach for the stars. All that stuff. The words are filled with self-confidence. All the Lord has said, we will do and be obedient. Were they, were they able to keep that promise in spite of their repeated assurances? They miserably broke their word before Moses could even get off the mountain with the tables of stone. Do we begin to see where the poor promises lay in the Old Covenant? The book of Hebrews begins to unfold. There, God is reported as finding fault with them, Hebrews 8 verse 8. He said, because they continued not in my covenant, I regarded them not, verse 9, the blame is placed squarely upon the human side of the mutual pact. Thus, we can see exactly why Paul wrote as he did about the old covenant in Hebrews 8. It, didn't, it did gender to bondage. It proved faulty and poor promises and vanished away. All because the people failed to obey their part of the agreement. Putting all these things together, we can see why the new covenant was desperately needed, which would have better promises. So how were the new covenant promises better? Let's find out. Three French hens, two turtle doves, and an O. Pear in a pear tree. So I found out what that means. And I think it's French, according to Victoria. Sounds kind of cool. And um, man, needed and necessary. My uh, grandmother had that kind of help. And the reason why it worked out so well, it wasn't like, you know, like indentured servitude or anything like that. Because, um, you know, we owned a farm, apparently, in Jamaica. And there were a lot of people who had no jobs. Um, no prospects, and they would just work for my grandpa and just, um, you know, or help grandma out. And they would feed them, and sounds very similar to, but, you know, anyways, so it was a good, uh, it worked out really well. Um, anyways, looking forward to the segment. Sounds like she said she's going to premiere it tomorrow. Why are there flies in here? How do they even get in here? Anyways, um, Looking forward to that that uh, segment where she talks about Opair, the um, the Western um, the Western uh, problem with um, help. We're so individualistic. It's going to be fantastic. I am, you know, this is uh, yeah. If you want to kill these flies, 
I I am, man, I'll tell you what, I don't entertain like most. And what I mean by that is that, you know, I don't really watch TV. I don't listen to music. Um, I mean, I'll get in it because I need to be in touch with, with, you know, the universe or I guess or society. But I just don't, I just don't because, not because of anything that restricts me. Remember what we're studying. Nothing's restricting me. I just don't do it. But I'll tell you, this, you guys, Anchor, you guys keep me entertained. Because, you know, talking to other people, sharing ideas and thoughts and feelings, super awesome. Rant over. So we ask a question out of the verse, Hebrews 8, verses 10 through 12. How were the new covenant promises better? Because God made them and they guaranteed successful obedience through what way? How? Through his strength alone. It says, I will put my laws into their mind. I will be to them a God. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities. Will I do what? Will I remember no more? Now, how was the new covenant ratified? in the same manner that the old was confirmed by the shedding of blood. But instead of an ox having to shed its blood, the sinless Son of God would provide the blood of sprinkling. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you, that which is well-pleasing in his sight. Through how, what means, what method? Through Jesus Christ, Hebrews 13, 20 through 21. So it's Jesus doing this. What a contrast to the weak promises of the flesh made by Israel at Sinai. Instead of the people's we will do, God's new covenant promises to make you perfect in every good work Working in you. Working in you. Working in you. Working, working in you. Working, working, working. Pick up, pick up, pick up. Working in you. Working in you. Okay, I don't know why I did that. But I can beatbox a little better than that. So here it is. Um, it's just exciting is why. So you'll have to excuse that part there. Um, whew. So, um, we'll continue here. It, it gets even better. What a contrast to the weak promises of the flesh made by Israel at Sinai. Instead of the people's, we will do God's new covenant promise is to make you perfect in every good work working in you it is no longer human effort <clears throat> it is not so much of you working but him working in you and how is this power made available through the blood of the everlasting covenant because of what jesus did on the cross so this brings us to the very heart of the new covenant operation Obedience is made possible by the writing of God's law 
on the heart. Through spiritual regeneration, the mind and heart are transformed. Christ actually enters into the life of the believer and imparts his own strength for obedience. By partaking of the divine nature, the weakest human beings begin to live the very life of Jesus Christ, manifesting his victory and crucifying the flesh. When we think of that, crucifying the flesh, it's, this is the, the point I think that I struggle the most with. Because you want to stop, but that which you wish to stop is just so hard. Rather, that's where the, the step of faith is. That's where you look in the face of that thing that you know that you cannot even stop on your own. And you say, Lord, I can't, but you can. And you get up every day and you say, Lord, I can't, but I know you can. And over time, the process we call sanctification, there are changes that are beginning to happen in your life. Then you're beginning to have these victories that are surprising to you because they don't have anything to do with you. Think about those times when you've tried to stop doing something. Like for me, like, you know, I'm, uh, I'm back at eating meat, but I used to be a, a vegan, then a vegetarian, then back. Because, you know, diet, I'll tell you, a lot of the sicknesses we have are diet-based. And it's good to make the change. But I try and I try and, and I go back and forth and back and forth because whatever that was is so delicious. And so I get hard on myself, and I'm like, you're going to do this, you hear me? And I grab myself by the back of the head, and I throw myself, and then I wrestle and beat myself up, if you can imagine that. And it doesn't work. Now, don't get me wrong. We do have to make conscious decisions. And that's all it really needs to be, is him making the changes in you as you come to him daily, you make a choice. You say, Lord, I don't want this in my life anymore. I can't stop, but I know you can. And you do that step by step. You have some failures. You make some mistakes. You get back up because we fall down. I'm going to go ahead and play that song. Paul describes that transaction this way. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after what yes after the spirit romans 8 verses 3 verses 4 the word righteousness is dekaima in Greek, meaning just requirement of the law. In other words, because of Jesus' sinful life in the flesh, the requirement of the law can be fulfilled in us. He overcame sin in the same kind of body we have, so that we could impart that victory, so that he could impart that victory to us. He will actually live out his own holy life of separation from sin in our earthly bodies if we will permit, again, permit, permit, allow, permit, allow, permit, permit, 
Allow, allow, permit, allow. Uh, sorry, I did it again. Okay, okay, okay. If we permit him to do so, and that's really what the struggle is, friends. That's it. This is what I fight with every day. That's what you fight with, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you. There's too many. All of you. That's what we struggle every day. It's not that we're gritting and bearing it because we want to stop doing what we're doing. Because it becomes works again. What we're supposed to do is make a decision and step forward in faith. That's the difference. We don't just say, I don't want to do it anymore, and I'm just going to keep going into the club, and hopefully it'll go away because he's doing it within me. Okay, you went a little too far with that. Sit down. Okay, here we go. What I'm saying is you make a conscious decision. You say, Lord, I do not want this anymore, and you walk. You pick up your right foot, and you step forward in faith, saying, I'm done with that. I consider myself dead to that. And you walk forward. Will you fail? Sure you will. Many times, actually. But by faith, you get back up. Go back and listen to that song we just played. Donnie McClurkin. That's my dude. We fall down, but we get back up. But we don't accept the fact. We make mistakes. Yes, but we fall down and we get back up. So, I need to calm down. Yes, he will actually live out his own holy life of separation from sin in our earthly bodies. We have to permit him, though. This is the new covenant promise for every believing, trusting child of God. And it is absolutely the only way that anyone can meet the requirements of the law. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ, 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 in you, the hope of glory. Colossians 1 verse 27. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20. Friend, when you realize what is going on here, you start to understand why I'm a psycho. Why I am so excited and I seem happy all the time and I enjoy life so much is simply because when a Christian looks at this and finally understands what is actually going on, it's mind-blowing. It changes everything. And that, my friends, is what causes you to want to go out and evangelize. It's not this thing that we're, we're meeting, oh, I need to get out there and do what the Great Commission tells me to do. It's that you're so ridiculous excited, like winning the lottery, you're skipping around and you're looking like an idiot because you're so excited and you don't care. Have you ever done that? Remember when David was dancing almost nude if he wasn't? Man, I'm running out of time in this segment. Let's continue. It is most important for us to understand that the New Covenant law written on the heart is exactly the same law that was graven on stone. You ever heard that saying? Written in stone? Ha! <laughs> Pun intended. Those great spiritual principles reflect the very character of God and form the basis of his government. The difference is not in the law, but in the ministration of the law. 
written only upon the tables of stone, they can only condemn and minister death. I'll say it again. Written only upon the tables of stone, they can only condemn and minister death. So where did, where do they need to be written? Yep, that's correct. Because the carnal mind is not subject to the law of God. Romans 8, 7. Received into the heart which has been spiritualized by the converting grace of Christ, the same law becomes a delight. The beloved John declared, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. Friends, how many times has the law been grievous? I know it was for me at one point, always trying to keep up with them, trying not to kill somebody, trying not to lie to my mom. Remembering the Sabbath day, that used to be a burden for me. It's so funny that something that's supposed to be rest is a burden. We humans have this amazing superpower. Forget web-slinging and, and, and super strength. Let's talk about the ability to complicate things. That's me, friends. That's my superpower. Complicating it. One plus one is, is three. That's right. 3.14. Anyways, sorry. First John 5.3. So not only is the law not grievous for the spirit-filled child of God, but obedience becomes a joyful responsibility. The psalmist wrote, I delight to do thy will, O God. Yea, thy law is where? Within my heart. Psalms 40, verse 8. It is a pleasure to keep his commandments when we're in relationship with him and we're doing it for the right reason. Okay, I'll be right back. Since the new covenant was ratified by the blood of Christ, it obviously could not have gone into effect until after Jesus died on the cross. This crucial fact must not be overlooked. Eternal life or death could hinge upon the proper understanding of this key point. Paul wrote, For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death, the death of a testator. That's very similar to what how life insurance works. For where, or a contract, you could say, for where a testament is, think Old Testament, New Testament, New Testament, New Testament, for where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of, a, of the testator. Who's the testator? For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all, while the testator liveth. Hebrews 9, verse 16 and 17. The word testament is the same as the word covenant. Only after a man's last will and testament has been ratified by his death can the provisions be executed. In the same way, Christ's covenant or testament would begin to operate just as soon as he had confirmed the covenant by his death at Calvary. We are getting warmer, friends. Feel free to remove any additional articles of clothing. Have a seat if you are standing.
and open up a window because it doesn't stop there. Another text leaves no question on the issue. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Did you catch that? Pretty much that though it be a man's promise or covenant, yet if it's to be confirmed, if it is confirmed, not, no man can undo it or undo it or add to it. That sounds very much to a life insurance uh, clause, actually, a provision that's added into the contract. That's actually in the Bible. It says, though it be but a man's covenant, even though it's just a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Was it confirmed? How was it confirmed? On the cross, on the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was then by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. So, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. That's Galatians 3.15. Paul is saying here that after a man's death, he will, his will, his will or covenant cannot be changed. Not one new addition can be made after the death of the testator. The covenant stands forever exactly as it stood when the testator died. After the death of Christ, no change whatsoever could be made in his provisions to save mankind. The conditions were all sealed and ratified by the shedding of blood. Every requirement had been laid down clearly by the perfect pattern of his sinless life and provision had been made for the writing of his mag magnified law by the Holy Spirit upon the mind of each believer. Man. So, under the terms of the new covenant, not one soul would be left to struggle helplessly against the powerful urges of a fallen nature. Where sin abounded, guess what? Grace did much more abound. Thank you, Jesus. Romans 5, verse 20. That little thank you, Jesus, was me. That wasn't in the verse. Eternal promises rooted in the changeless nature of God would provide power to overcome every inherited and cultivated weakness. Did you hear that? Every, every inherited and cultivated weakness. No wonder the Bible emphasizes the better promises of his of this glorious new agreement. If there is any contract, my friends, that you want to get 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 on with, it's going to be this one. Now it is easy to understand some of the things Jesus did just before he died. Check this out. Wow, this is going to blow your mind. I don't even think you're ready for this. You're not ready for this. You're not ready. Why don't you go take a break, get a glass of water, okay? And listen to this next song. I don't even know what I'm going to put up there, but you need a break because you're 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 yes, you need a break. I need a break. <laughs> I'm going to take a break and you're going to take a break and we'll be right back because this next piece is I don't even know what to tell you. I I'm just going to I'm pulling the phone away from my ear right now. And now the moment you've been waiting for. That was pretty good. You know that guy that like one man, one desire. I've been working on that voice. But anyway, so yeah, you ready for this? Okay, here it is. This is, this is, uh, 
So it's easy to understand some of the things Jesus did before he died. Friends, every movement Jesus makes from the beginning of his life until the very closing scenes, every word, every parable, every dark misunderstood saying had its purpose. Listen to this. It is easy to understand some of the things Jesus did before he died. For example, why did he institute the Lord's Supper before his body had been broken? On the Thursday night before his agonizing death on Friday, Jesus met with his disciples in the upper room. Holding the cup in his hands, he said, Are you ready? Oh, you're not ready for this. Oh, I need to relax. Okay. This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Matthew 26, verse 28. With that meal, Jesus wasn't just trying to get full friends. Jesus was finishing up the documentation of a contract, covenant, testament that was about to go into effect when the testator died. Jesus was sign, sealing, and delivering. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. I, I don't even know. Okay, 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 I'm done. Isn't it curious that Christ would say those words before his blood had been shed? He was commanding a memorial for an event which had not even happened yet. Why? Because it had to be introduced before his death. You cannot make changes to the contract while you're alive, when you're dead. So you do it while you're alive. He put the final touches on this thing because it had to be introduced before his death in order to come under the new covenant. Nothing could be added after his death. Okay, this next segment is me being excited. I'll be right back. Glory be to God. I cannot. This is the most amazing thing. I, there is nothing like it. Nothing. There is nothing here on earth that compares to this. This is freedom. This is life. This is everything. I would sell everything for this field, for this precious pearl. Every, anything, my ego, my pride, my, my possessions. It's done. I'm done with it. I just want this, this. Whew. Okay, got that out of the system. So now we get to the subject that I was supposed to be at a long time ago, but just had to have that exciting um, moment with you folks. Is this thing with in Galatians 4 about Ishmael and Isaac and how they represent the two covenants. With this background, we're now prepared to examine Galatians 4. There's been a lot of confusion over this allegory that Paul used to illustrate the Old and the New Covenants. Here's the way he wrote about it. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. 
But he of the free woman was by promise, which things are an allegory. For these are the two covenants, the one from the Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar. Strangely how that's spelled like that. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. That's verses 22 and 25. So Paul portrays Isaac and Ishmael, the sons of Abraham, as representing the Old and New Covenants. He plainly shows that Hagar's son, Ishmael, symbolizes the Old Covenant, and Sarah's son, Isaac, is a type of the New Covenant. Now, we, brethren as Isaac was, are the children of promise. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. This is interesting. How do those sons of those two women represent the two covenants? Actually, they are a perfect illustration according to everything we have learned so far. God had promised Abraham a son by his wife Sarah, but because she was almost 90 years old, neither of them believed such a thing could happen. Sarah knew that her womb was dead and that she was long past the age of bearing children. So, she suggested that her husband take Hagar, her handmaid, and have a child by her. It seemed the only way to rescue God from an impossible promise. Don't we ever do that, friends? Try to rescue God? <laughs> like we, we pray, you know, and we say, Lord, do this, and then please do this. And then we help him because we don't, wanna, we don't want him to be embarrassed. We don't want to, you know, like, because he's not answering in the fashion or in the time that we needed. So we're like, we're going to help you out, Lord. So we're going to save him a lot of embarrassment of not coming through. How many times, friends, have we done that? I know I have, and I still do it. Ugh, what's wrong with me? So, in time, Abraham yielded to the face-saving device and had a child by Hagar. This is an exact illustration of the old covenant principle. Check out how. Here is an exact illustration of the Old Covenant principle of We will do. Abraham tried to work it out in the flesh according to human effort and planning. How many times have we done that? Yes, that's me. The old arrangement failed just as surely as the Old Covenant promises failed because there was no dependence on what? On divine power. God did not ever recognize Ishmael as the promised seed. When Isaac was born, it was a miracle. God actually created a new life out of a biologically barren woman. The physical impossibilities yielded to the supernatural creative power of God. Isaac perfectly represents the principle of the new covenant relationship based upon regeneration, a new birth experience which begets the life of the Son of God in all who believe. Did you hear that, friends? This is similar to that new birth experience that begets life when Jesus lives inside of you by the power of the Holy Spirit to all those who believe. 
the natural physical womb of Sarah was totally incapable of producing any fruit. In the same way, the natural carnal body and the mind of the sinner cannot bring forth the fruit of obedience. When God used his power to create new life within Sarah, the impossible took place, and she bore a son. When God uses his power to create new life in the soul, the impossible happens again. Friends, let's just pause for a second. It says a human being becomes spiritual and obedient. Isaac was not born after the flesh, but after the spirit. Galatians 4.29 I want you to think for a second about a situation in your life right now. That, yeah, that thing. That thing that's looming over you right now. You have no idea. Now, you don't know how that one's going to be fixed. You don't know how it's going to come to pass. It's impossible. By your standard, you know good and well. Now, think about another problem that you have that is a problem. It's pretty bad. But you have some idea on how it's going to work out. Now I want you to think of how God works at his best. God works best in impossible situations. Friends, I am up against a wall right now in my life. I don't know what is going to happen. My job is ending. Um, my school is supposed to start, but I can't afford to go. And I don't know how it's going to happen. I'm sitting here in this chair talking to you. Have no idea. But that is how God works best. And so, friends, we're going to revisit this. And I'm going to show you the power of God in this situation. Because he always comes through. Because man is carnal and weak in the flesh, he has no power to attain to righteousness of the law. He too, must be born after the Spirit. Every attempt to obey on the old covenant basis of human effort will produce nothing less than children of bondage. The law must be written into the heart by the power of the Holy Spirit and fulfilled by Christ in you, friends. Christ living in you. Okay, praise break. <laughs> what? Is, yes, I can. Glory be to God. I cannot. This is the most amazing thing. I, there is nothing like it. Nothing. There is nothing here on earth that compares to this. This is freedom. This is life. This is everything. I would sell everything for this field, for this precious pearl. Every, anything, my ego, my pride, my, my possessions, it's done. I'm done with it. I just want this, this. This allegory of Hagar and Sarah clears up a very important point of truth. Those who are under the old covenant are the commandment breakers, and those under the new covenant are the commandment keepers. It was only when Abraham disobeyed God by taking Hagar that he fulfilled the principle of the Old Covenant. When he trusted God to give him a son through Sarah, he was being obedient to God's will and properly represents the New Covenant Christians. Yet how often do modern interpreters get these facts confused? The law is not really kept until it is written on the heart 
of the transformed believer. Then it becomes the mark of identification, the symbol of love for those who are born of the Spirit. Jesus said, if you love me, do what? Keep my commandments. John 14, verse 15. John wrote, for this is the love of God, that we do what? Keep his commandments. 1 John 5, verse 3. Coming up next, we're going to talk about this circumcision thing that kind of ties into this Galatians 4 thing. Stay tuned. Have you ever wondered why God gave circumcision to Abraham as a sign of the Old Covenant? Doesn't that seem to be rather crude? A crude way to represent such an important agreement? Think about it for a moment. And it might begin to make a lot of sense. God gave Abraham the sign of circumcision to remind him of how he failed by trusting the flesh. Yeah, ouch. All through the scriptures, physical circumcision is related to dependence on the flesh. It's not our seed that's doing it. Paul wrote, For we are the circumcision which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Philippians 3, verse 3. Paul was comparing true circumcision with that which is called circumcision. The cutting off of the flesh that was not true circumcision at all. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. That's Romans 2, verse 28 and 29. Notice how Paul turns from the flesh to the spirit. He says, real circumcision happens to the heart and exalts what God does and not man. It is the cutting off of the fleshy nature through conversion. The new birth is the true circumcision experience. The clearest explanation is found in Paul's epistle to the Colossians in which he says, In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Colossians 2.11 here the spiritual work of Christ on the heart is called spirit it's called circumcision actually it is done without hands indicating that no human effort could perform this act it is not cutting off the physical flesh but cutting off the fleshy nature of sin through the indwelling of Jesus Christ it will be available to all on exactly the same basis and if ye be Christ's then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Galatians 3.29 All who receive Christ become heirs of all the promises made to Abraham. Those experiencing true heart circumcision constitute the real Jews. So, no longer can anyone boast of belonging to the right physical family. There's no more Jew, Gentile, male or female. Acceptance is based upon personal faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, neither can any man claim special favor for cutting off the physical foreskin of flesh.
those things were done by people who based everything on we will do, we will do, we will do. They sought justification and salvation through works of the flesh. God's new plan through Christ is not of works, but of grace through faith. Grace through faith. Woo, man, just the, the, the construction of that. Because we do need that grace, don't we? Because we make mistakes and we fall down. And we get up. Okay, maybe McClurkin does it better than I do. Grace through faith. Praise God. So does this mean that works are no longer important? Stay tuned. Does this mean that works are no longer important? Since the law cannot justify, should it be abolished by the believer? The doctrine of the covenants establishes beyond any doubt that the law is just as important under the new as under the old. Instead of being graven on stone, it is written where? In the heart. Instead of being fulfilled by us, who is it fulfilled by? Fulfilled by Jesus in us. Instead of keeping the law in order to be saved, why do we keep it? We keep it because we are saved. The same works of obedience are there but they are there for a different reason and a different motive as 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 my man oh man my man 318 said or this morning okay praise break <laughs> what is yes i can glory be to god i cannot this is the most amazing thing i there is nothing like it nothing there is nothing here on earth that compares to this. This is freedom. This is life. This is everything. I would sell everything for this field, for this precious pearl. Every, anything, my ego, my pride, my, my possessions. It's done. I'm done with it. I just want this, this. Sometimes without realizing it, we can begin to trust our traditional round of religious exercises far more than we ought to. I'm guilty of it. No merit system must clog the free channels of faith, love, and grace. Obedience in its proper position is important and necessary, but it must always be in that position following grace and accompanied by love. In fact, it is possible to put ourselves back under the Old Covenant even today if we begin to trust our works to save us. Just as the saints of old could have received true circumcision by accepting spiritual regeneration, we may fall back under the Old Covenant by trusting the flesh to save us. Oh, friends, you might be wondering how you can receive this wonderful gift. And for a monthly installment of $29.95 to this anchor station, you can have that. No, 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 friends. I'm just joking. It's free. It's absolutely free. And Jesus gives this to you. Have you been wondering, how can I get this? How do I, how, what is the, the difference and how, how involved do I get in, in, in works to be able to accomplish the, the new covenant as opposed to the old covenant 
that old covenant has been thrown away and we bought it back and we, we threw it away then we dug in the trash again uh, I'll tell you even today friends I do this all the time as especially during bad times like you know the situation I'm dealing with I, I go back in the trash can in the dumpster my legs are, are hanging out of the side and I'm digging around Lord am I doing enough am I good enough it's like Santa you know naughty or nice Anyways, I'm excited, and I want to invite you to enjoy the same freedom. It is yours for the taking, and it has nothing to do with what I've said today. It says all these things in the Word of God. This is where mercy and, and justice kiss. This is where the Old Testament and the New Testament kiss. This is where eternity meets us where we are we can have eternity now we can have it today because of what Jesus did and if this is making sense to you friend all you have to do is just accept it just say yes your life's gonna change and it's gonna be cray thanks for sticking around if you listened this far I'm gonna get back to studying because this topic was just lit something inside my chest and I need to put there's nothing that's gonna put it out I'm trying to stop drop and roll and I'm just burning burning up and uh, I hope you are too thanks for joining me Alfred DaCosta your host living for him